Hi, I'm Rachel O'Mara, author of Pause, harnessing the life-changing power of giving yourself a break. I'm excited that you're here today and joining me on the Pausecast, where I interview thought leaders in the world of raising our consciousness, emotional intelligence, and helping us really reach our potential. For more information, you can go to my website, rachelomara.com, and download my free guidebook, How to Turn Burnout into Thriving at Work. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pause Cast. I'm your host, Rachel O'Mara, author of Pause. And today I am really excited to have our guest, Laura Putnam, on the conversation. Hi, Laura. How are you? Hey, Rachel. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I think your topic is so relevant. I can't wait to talk about uh, workplace wellness and just a little bit of bio and background so people can learn a little bit more about you. Uh, you you are a number one Amazon hot new release in personnel management in this in your book, which came out in a couple of years ago now, Workplace Wellness That Works. You are also the CEO and founder of Motion Infusion, a leading well-being and learning provider. And your work is all over the place. It's been on major publications like MSNBC, The New York Times, US News and World Report, Entrepreneur, NPR, the list goes on and on. <laughs> and And you are also, I love this part, a former urban public high school teacher, L&D professional, public policy advocate, international community organizer, dancer, gymnast, uh, and no, no, a movement builder in the, and now a word, sorry, (laughs) now a movement builder in the world of health and well-being. So it's so exciting to have you. I think you and I really align in the world of workplace wellness. And, and I can't wait to dive into that. But one of the ways I, I'd like to kick these things off is to offer a guided pause. And would you like to do the honors, Laura? I, I would love to. Thanks for asking. So the, the way I thought it would be nice to open is actually a ritual that I heard that a hospital in Michigan uses in their meetings. And um, this hospital, like many, is seeing a lot of issues around physician and healthcare worker burnout. And so they're really trying to find some creative ways to help these healthcare professionals to be able to kind of restore along the way. So they have a ritual that they call 531. And this is how they kick off every meeting. And so I thought it'd be a really nice way for us to kick off our talk today. So the way this works is um, five is five deep breaths. So taking a moment to take five deep breaths. So just thinking about taking a deep inhale and holding that for a moment and then slowly exhaling. And again, taking a deep breath in. And sometimes it's helpful to even count. So you could count to five as you're inhaling. One, two, three, four, and five. Holding it for a moment. And then again, exhaling and taking your time as you exhale. And then taking three more of these deep breaths on your own time. So breathing in 
two more of these. Taking a deep breath in. And exhaling. And then last time, taking a deep breath in. And then slowly exhaling. So after taking five deep breaths, and I'm always amazed when I take five deep breaths, just noticing the fact that I'm actually the rest of the day often taking shallow breaths. Yeah, <laughs> just kind of noticing contrast. what that feels like to take five deep breaths and also how it's always a little awkward when we try to talk our way through five deep breaths. I always feel awkward leading it and um, even doing it myself, but what a difference it makes to just take a deep breath. Um, yeah. So three is thinking about three good things that have happened to you today. So three good things that have happened to me today. One is that I woke up early in the morning and I drove my fiance, dropped him off. He's uh, set off on a camping trip with some friends. And I always love waking up early in the morning and, um, and being in the car with him for those few minutes and then dropping him off with his friends. And he was so excited to go on this trip. So that was one good thing that happened, um, just to be able to help out my fiance and to meet a couple of his friends. And then the second good thing that happened is uh, from there I went to Pete's Coffee and I got a delicious cup of um, dark roast coffee. And mm. um, I like to have my coffee with heavy cream, not just half and half, but heavy cream. And uh, I asked them if they had any heavy cream, and they said yes. So I had this delicious cup of dark roast <laughs> coffee with heavy cream in I it. I want some of that now. And, wow, it's so, so good. <laughs> Yeah, and the third good thing that's happened to me today is actually being on this call right now and um, getting to know you a little bit better, Rachel, but also to uh, reach out mm -hmm. to the people, your followers, and to be in this virtual conversation. So those are three good things mm -hmm. that have happened to me today. And so what I would like for all of the listeners now is to think about what are three good things that have happened to you today. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting about that, there's research showing that if we engage in this really simple practice of just simply naming three good things every day for six weeks mm -hmm. straight, that that practice alone will literally rewire our brains to become more optimistic. And what the research shows is that optimists do better, that mm -hmm. optimists uh, do better in their careers, um, but they're also more resilient in the face of stress. And that's really what this is all about, about becoming more, the stress isn't going away anytime soon. It's really more about how do we become more resilient in the yeah. face of stress. So stress simple practices, right? Like taking five deep breaths, naming three good things. Um, can be a really powerful way to do that. And then one is to commit to one random act of kindness. And um, my random act of kindness was actually interesting. It's actually, our, I, I, I mean, I'm committing to another one today, but I had one happen mm -hmm. earlier 
which is as I was walking to to Pete's coffee, there was a guy who was standing outside and he asked if I would um, get him a cup of coffee. And I just kind of mindlessly said no. And then I went in and I, I, and I was like, oh, gosh, I'm such a jerk. Like I can get this guy yeah. a cup of coffee. And so I went back out and I said, I would love to get you a cup of coffee. What would you like? This was <laughs> so this morning? A, a cup of, of, yeah, this was this morning. Okay. Um, you know, just, I got him yeah. a, a cup of um, coffee. And so uh, that was one random act of kindness Aww. today, but I'm also really thinking about how I can continue to do that. So that's something that all of us can think about doing. So five, three, one to start us off. Yeah. Oh, wow. This is really powerful. Five deep breaths, three uh, things that you're grateful for to have mm -hmm. today and one random act of kindness. Uh, thank you for sharing that. I, I uh, am a big believer in rituals in the morning for setting my tone for the day. And that one was a great one. I think I'm, I'm going to adopt this one immediately and start using this. <laughs> I do a journaling. Actually, that was my follow-up question is, is it, do you have to write down your three things or can it just be something you think of, or is it, does it matter? You know, what is the thought That's there? a great question. And what the research shows is that in fact, if you do write it down, it's even more impactful. So uh, thinking of it, sharing it with others uh, is really important. Writing it down is even better. Apparently yeah. for maximum rewiring impact, you, um, it's even better if you do it right before you go to bed at night. Hmm? So you, you, you yeah. think about what are those three good hmm. things, write them down, and, um, and then uh, kind of get your brain uh, ready to rewire itself as you sleep. To become more optimistic. Oh, I like that. And then if I sleep better and not wake up at 4 30 in the morning, like I do it some sometimes. And six weeks. Okay, well, we start today. This is this is wonderful. <laughs> I was thinking about I gotta share my three things of gratitude as well, because I think it's also about uh sharing so that you can be seen and connect with others at times. And so real quick, mine were I did get up early and I woke and I and I went to the gym and that was a choice. I, I actually was getting dressed as if I was going to work. And then I said, hang on a second. Wait, I am early. I can go to the gym. And I actually changed <laughs> my 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 whole pet my whole shift of clothes and I was, and then I, then I was like all right I guess I'm going so that was a really fun mind shift I did and then I uh I also am grateful for this podcast uh as well in this episode it's uh it's always so interesting to me to interview and, and just chat with others who are helping to raise consciousness in emotional intelligence in the workplace and beyond and then I think the third one is uh I went shopping yesterday and I have a new shirt on and I like it but oh, I think I could have used a nice. longer necklace but that's okay I'm going with it and uh that's nice that I yeah, I'm just grateful for uh for the abundance that I can create and have in my life and that's 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 my gratitude so thank you for that yeah, I really I'm really uh excited to share that pause as well with a larger audience because uh there are so many ways to pause and I call a pause any intentional shift in behavior. So thanks, Lauren. This is just, I love it. I'm going to, I'm going to like write this down and, and, and probably <laughs> put it in my blog or something, but let's move on to some of the questions I have for you. And, and I think the first one, I know you talked about wellness at work and my big question is why is it so important to promote well-being in the workplace? I, I, mm -hmm. I, I, I am in this path as well. And I'm curious what you think, and how it's, how, how does that work in your world for, you know, what is it that 
that people are wanting to know more about and and why is it why does it matter right now yeah well i i mean it's kind of overwhelming if we think about what's happening to our nation and increasingly to our world in terms of our overall health and well-being if you consider things like about one in 10 of us are diabetic, we know that heart disease continues to be the number one killer and it's largely preventable. And um, we know that about a third of us are, are, are obese. And of course, we also are reminded by what's happened with people like Anthony Bourdain and Kate Spade mm -hmm. that we are facing this incredible yeah. mental health crisis. And um, what we're even seeing for the first time ever since 1918 is a reversal in life expectancy. What do you and mean so by that? For, what? Meaning yeah. that people are expected to live shorter um, lives. Than, I didn't uh, get that memo. Yeah. So for the first time ever in history, our children are likely to have a shorter life expectancy than we do unless we do something about what I like to characterize as a tidal wave of poor health and well-being. And so workplace wellness is so essential because this is the workplace is where most adults are spending the vast uh -huh. majority of their waking hours. So this is an opportunity for us to be able to address this tidal wave of poor health and well-being. And every workplace, every organization has an opportunity to be able to offset what has unfortunately become an increasingly toxic environment and culture and that and every organization like the one that you work at at Google can really create this oasis of well-being. So when people come to work, they are healthier because of it. Mm -hmm. So they have more opportunities to move, for example, because of their workplace. They have more opportunities to eat healthy foods because of their workplace. They have more opportunities to emotionally restore and socially connect because of their workplace. And unfortunately, um, there are not enough organizations like Google, but rather there are organizations in which people are literally dying for a paycheck. Um, that's the title of a recent book mm. that uh, Jeffrey Pfeffer, who is with the Stanford uh, School of Business, recently um, wrote, um, again, called Dying for a Paycheck, but there are really uh, too many people who are less healthy because of the place that they work. And so that's really what my work is focused on, is how can every workplace um, really be responsible for helping people to lead healthier, happier lives? Yeah. So do you, so I imagine you work with specific organizations and helping them transform their organization and, 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 and really to embrace this as a concept. And one of the things that you mentioned uh, when, you, when you were sharing more about what you work on are activating managers to become multipliers yeah. of well-being. And so I'm actually reading the book, Multipliers. I literally listened to it this morning on the treadmill as I worked out by Liz Wiseman. And uh, I can't wait to read it. I'm on chapter one. I'm like super <laughs> starting it. But can yeah, you Yeah, no, I love that book too. Yeah. yeah, it's really good. What what does it take to be a multiplier of well-being? And how could I do that if I'm a manager or someone at work right now, a leader in, in my world, and I want to be a multiplier for well-being? Like, what are some tips you could share with us? I, absolutely. I, and, um, I, you know, it's it's really interesting because in, in workplace wellness, there's been a lot of emphasis on engaging 
senior leaders in wellness. And while senior leaders are essential for setting the tone and allocating resources and setting policies, when it really comes down to it, people are looking to their direct supervisor or their manager to effectively give them permission to engage with their health and well-being and even to engage with their work. And um, we know, of course, that people don't leave their job. They leave their boss. They <laughs> so do. The impact I can attest to that. <laughs> yep. So the impact that uh, your boss has on your work and even your health is frightening, actually. Um, there's some, some terrifying research coming out uh, that has come out showing that your uh, boss matters more than your doctor does when it comes to the health of your heart. And so when we hear people say, my boss is killing me, they actually kind of mean it. And oh. um, so, uh, you know, every manager really is the keeper of well-being for their team. So every manager, very similar to what Liz Wiseman and, and her um, uh, partnering uh, researcher, what they uncovered is this, this idea that every manager has an opportunity to be either a multiplier or a diminisher. Um, those are the words that they use. So a multiplier as it, you know, either a genius maker, she calls it, or, um, you know, really trying to be the genius themselves. So kind of a genius diminisher. And very similar concept, um, what uh, our research shows, we've partnered with an organization called ProChange Behavior Systems, and they've actually measured the impact of the work that we've been doing in activating managers to become, quote, multipliers of well-being as opposed to gatekeepers. And um, so, again, you know, people are really looking to their direct supervisor, you know, is it okay for me to, for example, um, have flexibility in my schedule? Is it okay for me to stand up and do a little bit of stretching while I'm at work? Is it okay for me to take a break? Is it okay, um, you know, what's the tone that you're setting here within our team? So there's three simple practices that managers can take on to become these multipliers of, well, of well-being for their team. And the first is to do. So to really think about leading by example, to embody well-being themselves. So it's not about being perfect. It's just about really modeling that you are making an effort to engage with, with your own personal health and well-being. And an engaging in the learning like, process. Yeah. So an ex it's like off the top of my head, an example would be that you are not at the office until 9 p.m. every night. Working. That's exactly right. Or yeah. Open. And there's some interesting... There's some interesting research around that um, is where uh, they found that for every hour that a manager engages in after hours email time, mm -hmm. that that translates into an additional 20 minutes of after hours email time for their team members. So it really, they really create this modeling effect. And even when it comes to, you know, if the manager, if your manager is checking their phone during staff meetings, uh, during team meetings, then you're modeling that for your team as well. So your team members are likely to do the same, are likely to be distracted and not fully present. So that's the first thing is to do. The second is to speak, is to think about engaging your team members in well-being literally one conversation at a time. So that is you know, speaking about the offerings that are available, but also to think about speaking in a way that really helps team members to feel appreciated for who they are as human beings. <laughs> to have real conversations with people and to really awaken compassion within the team. And then third is to create, which is to think about designing systems and norms and rituals like 531 
to bring to your team as a manager to really kind of carve out a little oasis of well-being for your team. So um, what our research, again, has shown is that when managers engage in these three practices of do, speak, and create, that they can really, um, not only does it in, enhance their personal well-being and in, and in doing so increase their level of productivity, but it also does the same for their team members, that it really creates this ripple effect um, where their team members Ha are reporting higher levels of well-being, higher levels of productivity, and higher levels of engagement with their work. Wow, that's powerful. And and I think what I enjoy about that model, do, speak, create, is it's so simple. It's so exactly full, straightforward. <laughs> and I, I, I've seen it work. I've seen that work with teams here, and and it's incredible it's it's like these mm -hmm. small tweaks that can be done uh even if you were to do something let's say in a, a team meeting so let's say you've got a team weekly meeting and you do uh one thing like someone wants to share a uh a, a, a great a gratitude or something like that in the very beginning uh one of the things that i would do with my team uh, that I'm thinking about is I did a pause where I just literally led like a one to minute breath pause where we were closing our eyes and it might be different every week. One was a body scan. Then there would be one that was just follow your breath. There would might be a visualization and those felt really risky to me. I was always, that was the, <laughs> the two minutes of my day. I was most terrified about on a Monday because I was like, are they going to really go for it this week? Like maybe this week, this is the week they're not going to want to do that. And everyone would always say to my astonishment, I love these, like, these are so helpful for us. Thank you. Thank you. This is great. And so just like, it's a, it's a confirmation that if you take those risks and try something new like that, or the five, three, one is great. Uh, there are others who will likely latch on and want to do that too. So for anyone who's thinking about adding that, cause it's us who can do that. You don't have to be a supervisor or a manager. It's someone who wants to change the workplace, who can bring these ideas in and, and be the innovator and be the person who's leading in that way. I think that's all, all good. And I think what you're also talking about, Rachel, is modeling vulnerability. Yep. I do. Which is hard to do. And it's, you know, it's not about being the expert meditation leader. <laughs> you know, you're not mm -hmm. trying to be John Cabot no. in here. <laughs> no you're way. just trying to just model a little vulnerability here and when you do that you give permission for others to be able to yeah. also be vulnerable mm -hmm. uh, i love that thank you for saying that and again like i always think too that we are changing the way work is done in a way right mm -hmm. this is this is a new model this is a new paradigm and it's up to every individual who wants to live differently and choose differently to instigate and be those models for vulnerability. And so this takes courage, like this isn't easy stuff. And, uh, and I just, I want to remind everyone, I think that it's easy to think about, oh, like, I don't have time for that. Or I know I make up excuses all the time. And these are the things that actually can be one small change that is a huge impact. And maybe it doesn't work the first time, but it doesn't mean you give up forever. You try something different. And I think that's where the magic is in that we can really do some powerful shifting. And as a, a trailblazer for that, Laura, I think you, you're doing some really great work. Well, I think a lot of this is about repositioning what well-being means and what that means, especially yep, in relation I to agree. work, which is this idea that thinking less about space time 
and more about net productivity. And so I know that if I take a walk around the block, that my I'm going to be much more productive the next hour as opposed to just powering through. Totally. I know if I have a health <laughs> totally stop and have a healthy lunch, I'm going to be more productive than I would be otherwise. I know if I leave at a reasonable hour at the end of the day and I really fully shut down and enjoy my evening, that I will be more productive the next day. And so well-being and wellness is just it's so much simpler than I think what we've made it out to be. It's really about allowing ourselves to engage in self-care. It's about allowing ourselves to be human beings. It's about allowing ourselves to show compassion for one another in the workplace. It's about allowing for vulnerability at work and at home. That's what well-being is really about. And, um, yeah. and again, you know, getting back to the role of the, the manager, there, there are some people, particularly the manager in the workplace, who are really uniquely positioned to either persuade or dissuade their team members from engaging with their personal well-being. So it's really important for those, those people who have the potential to be the multipliers to, to think about just how important their role is in terms of setting the tone for the people around them. Yeah, I, and, and I agree. And, and so that book, Multipliers, Liz Wiseman and Greg McCune is the other the researcher. Uh, the, that book is, is great. And, and I recommend that book as I'm reading it now for anyone who's interested to be a multiplier for well-being. If you're thinking about how do I take this to work or what can I do more of or what, if I, what about for me? Just starting with yourself. How can I be mm-hmm. more optimized for well-being? And keep it at that for now because if you can take care of that and then you can bring it out there – Awesome. But it's really about you helping yourself first, because if you're taken care of, like you said, the self-care aspect is, is I, I really enjoy what you're sharing about that. That is key because like, that's where we get lost is we're just out there helping everybody else, especially women. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you're just feeling depleted and drained. And it's because we haven't done that self-care. So I, so I really, uh, I'm, what you're saying is hitting home for me and is so important, I think, in, in the workplace. I know. Absolutely. Um, yeah. It's, and, and, it's much like the analogy of the, um, uh, of the putting on the oxygen mask on yourself first. Mm-hmm. So as a yeah. leader, asking yourself the question, you know, do I have the energy that I need to be an effective leader? So I, am I engaging in self-restoration? Am I putting on the oxygen mask on myself first? And then am I bringing this to my team? Um, but again, really starting with do first and then engaging in and speak and create. Yeah. And this is actually, interestingly enough, this is actually the topic of the book that I'm working on right now. And this is to accompany the workshop, this manage, so-called Managers on the Move workshop that we have, that is kind of leadership development meets well-being. Managers on empowers, the Move, it's called? Yeah. Yep. It's called Managers on the Move. And uh, so we've been working with countries and organizations across the country, uh, empowering these teams through through managers. Um, to become, uh, you know, empowering these managers to become managers on the move in this day-long training, uh, but also uh, writing a book that can serve as a guide for any manager to That's become great. this manager yeah, on the move. A manager on the move. I'm a man. I'm a manager on the move. I'm gonna. I'm moving. You I'm are moving and shaken, and so are so are so are you and many of us. How can we find out more about you, Laura? Where can we go to learn more about managers on the move? All of the good things that you've been up to and well-being in the workplace. So you can go to motioninfusion.com, and if you're interested in um, 
programs that I have coming up, uh, you can go to motioninfusion.com forward slash speaking. And um, if you are interested in this concept of empowering managers to become multipliers of well-being, I'm actually going to be leading a day-long training, uh, kind of training the trainer training workshop coming up on August 15th. In San Diego, it's called Activating Managers Boot Camp, and um, you can go on the website and you can learn about that, as well as a lot of upcoming uh, keynotes um, and uh, events that I have coming up, including I'll be uh, speaking in Kuwait in September for the, uh, I'll be one of the keynotes for the Happiness Effect um, Conference, but um, and really speaking at events and leading workshops pretty much on a weekly basis around the country and, right. and also internationally. We'll put mm -hmm. some of those links up too so we can, we can definitely follow up and, and learn and get, get, get more details. So thanks so much, Laura. It was awesome to, to, to talk to you and just learn about all these good things that you're up to, to share the wealth of what you're bringing to the world. So thanks so much for being thanks, on Thanks, Rachel. Nice to thanks. be on the show. Thanks for listening today. I'm Rachel O'Mara, the author of Pause, Harnessing the Life-Changing Power of Giving Yourself a Break. Now that you've had a chance to listen to the Pause cast, I want to invite you to continue the conversation and join the private Facebook group, Be the Pause. You can search for it on Facebook or go to facebook.com slash groups slash Be the Pause. It's also in the Pause cast notes for this episode. Also, if you are struggling with overwhelm or being stressed out at work and you're not really sure what to do next, I invite you to download the free guidebook for the three keys to turn overwhelm into thriving at work. This is on my website, rachelomero.com, and you can download it there today. See you soon.